technique and drills make you go faster, not getting fitter and fitter and fitter. More technique, more downwind, and honing skills. You're never too old to change bad habits, and you're never too old to learn new ones. I can teach you all the mistakes. I've had so many mistakes in this life of mine, long life, paddling life, and why should you make the same mistakes when I've already been through there, done that, bought the t-shirt a number of times, Hi there, welcome to the Coach Tulupski podcast. These episodes are taken from Oscar's live interactions with his Oscar's club members and are great for anyone looking for insights into paddling faster and having more fun. Okay, morning here. Yeah, it's just sun starting to come up. 6am in uh, Portugal. Today we're going to cover um, race preparation, recovery, and I've already got quite a few questions that I'll answer in, uh, in our chat today. Um, one of the things that was answered is recovery and even before a race. And uh, one, of the, one of the features that I use on the Garmin watch is, if you look at that, um, let's have a look. That's, that says low stress and that's HRV. So basically what that is is that it tells you if you have fully recovered from your training the night before and you have to have a heart rate strap you have to have your heart rate strap on to to actually um to actually see and and get an accurate measurement of your heart so what that have that that will do is um tell you whether you can train the next day so in the recovery sessions you must really follow your and listen to your body because if you're training hard Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, and, and as you can see here, it's only on um, 10. And uh, sometimes I get there and then it goes all the way up to like 50. I can be on 45 and then there's no way I will train. I'll just take a, a very easy, um, an easy uh, session that day or active uh, recovery, which means that you active rest, which means you do a little bit of uh, technique, you maybe run or maybe walk, nothing strenuous, and what'll happen will be that um, um, that'll give your body a time to recover. So normally every day uh, an HRV heart rate variance should be taken every day, so it actually learns uh, HRV learns what your numbers are going to be like. So normally they only allow you to um, take the full numbers after about a week. So you take it every morning in a week and then it works it out, okay, now this is your, because some people have got a slightly higher heart rate than other people. Some people have got lower heart rate. So it takes a while to work it all out. And once it's worked out, you must measure that uh, every morning. Okay, so I'm drinking my coffee, not a bulletproof coffee. Now it's just a coffee with a heavy cream. So it doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, affect uh, any sugars in here. This is the best I can find. Uh, welcome Torsten. Uh, good to see that you're watching. Okay, so race prep. I had a, a live uh, um, uh, lesson yesterday as well. The, the most important thing about race prep is, is uh, it's a few steps. The first step is always make sure your equipment is all being checked your rudder and all those little small things have to be checked. The next thing is don't change anything on race day. 
Don't even change the food that you have the, the, the night before. It's not uh, advisable to change anything. That's why if you, in the old days, people used to do carbohydrate loading. Uh, you might have heard of that. And I was one of those people who said, why change something? I mean, my body's not used to suddenly a whole lot of carbohydrates in the old days. So I never used to. I just used to eat exactly the same as I did before. You've tried and tested everything in training. Now you go and change it for a race. You don't really have to do it. The only thing you should be doing before a race is resting so that your HRV that I just showed you is nice and low and you're ready to really go hard. Now on the, on the, another thing is the warm up today is the race is tomorrow, Saturday. Uh, it starts at uh, 1 p.m. So today, which is Friday, I'll actually go and uh, warm up at, uh, at one o'clock. So I get the feeling what, what the tide's doing and all those kind of things. Uh, morning, Josh. Um, welcome, bring them on a camera, okay. <laughs> um, so what, what happens is that I always do my warm up the same time I'm gonna race. That's very important uh, to, to get used to what time you're racing. So you gotta decide whether you're gonna eat or not and when you're gonna hydrate or not. And, and the way I race nowadays is I always race fasted. The reason I race fasted is I wanna be really hungry for that first meal um, when, I, when, I, when I go out there and, and your body is just purely working on trying to get you to the end of the finish line and not worrying about digesting any food or digesting any liquids. It's all there pushing to get you to the end. Um, another thing I, I also don't uh, drink, I'll only drink a few drinks just before, I'll have nothing hour before the race. Some people like to keep sipping water and things like that. I don't do that at all. Uh, I make sure I'm a very fast state. I don't need any water. Nobody needs water to race. This race is gonna be about 19 uh, kilometers and in 19 kilometers is gonna take us, if there's lots of wind, we can do it like an hour 15, but I don't think it's gonna be a lot of wind, so it'll take about an hour and a half. So for such a short race, there's no way you need uh, to have uh, water or anything like that. Unlike uh, one, of our, one of our members, Corin Smith, she's doing the Murray Marathon, which is 400, uh, 504 kilometers, so it's a pretty long race then you might have to take some uh, um, liquids. So no liquids before it, I warm up. So today's paddle again will be everything about recovery and making sure that um, I'm not uh, overexerting. There we go, Dr. Phil Paris-Brown from all the way from Wollongong, or Aladala actually, in Australia. It's, it's evening there and it's uh, morning here. Nice good coffee to wake me up. In Portugal, everything starts late. So going back to race preparation, I won't, uh, I won't, uh, I'll have my last meal in the evening and I'll make sure it's just a, a normal balanced diet for me, which is quite a lot of fat, a little bit of protein and absolutely a little bit of carbohydrates. So, and no alcohol because that definitely affects you and you can see it on your HRV. So those people, uh, those people out there who've just joined, I'm just showing them my watch, which tells me how good my resting is. So last night I didn't have any alcohol and my HRV was 10. If I drink too much and do something like that, I can actually have my, my um, 
HRV go up to 40, 50, so which is not good. So it definitely shows you that alcohol does uh, affect you. So recovery is important. And another, somebody wanted to uh, um, talk about stretching. I know Phil Cabrant from uh, Denmark said, oh, I know stretching, what do you do about stretching? I've read a lot of things about stretching over the years and um, I tend to go with the no stretching notion. I don't really think you need to stretch. You'll see that most people know the, the best way to warm up and again before the race is just to actually paddle a little bit to get those muscles going and I, and I hardly ever stretch. If I do stretch, uh, and it's not very often, I always make sure I've done a, a run or something so I'm very warm and then I'll do the odd stretch. I'm mainly just stretching my back. Not, I don't do any hamstrings and calf stretches and things like that because it stretches the muscle and the muscle always wants to come back and, and that makes the uh, problem. So he has a, there's another question that's starting to write. Torsten question um, about Sersky construction safety. It seems to me that if Sersky were to break in half in the middle of the ocean, would we pretty much sink? One would be left swimming. Correct, very correct. I'm going to tell you a story about that. Why not put a minimum of foam there and, and float and two chambers perhaps, not for the lightest, fastest lap of the race, but for the for the least the normal labs. Okay, so it's interesting, uh, a Sersky, and you might have seen it when I walked around the factory, has actually got quite a lot of foam in. It will keep your, your boat afloat, even if it breaks in half, but you can't sit on it, so there's no, no real point. I was paddling with a guy, Bevan Manson, um, off the, the coast of Durban about 10 years ago, and I hit uh, uh, like a log in the water, broke the boat and I knew it was going to sink. It happened, happened to be a really um, bad boat anyway. It was just like a test uh, boat. Welcome Toby, Heaton Armstrong. Um, interesting that, so what we decided now was 3.4 kilometers off the sea in Schloti where there's lots of sharks. And the boat, I knew it was going to break. So all I did is took, took my GPS off took my paddle and I was paddling with Bevan and I whistled to him and said, listen, I've got a problem, I'm ditching the boat. We ditched the boat and he swam and paddled and I swam and paddled and we swat, switched over. We never got on each other's boat and we swam the whole way, 3.4 kilometers. Took us about uh, 50 minutes to get to the beach and always uh, save. Race and liquid. I love being able to take a tiny sip of something sweet when, I, when my face is all sweaty and salty. I guess you're so used to salty taste. That's from Torsten. Okay, race liquid, and as I say, tomorrow there's no way I'll even take any liquids for such a short race, it doesn't worry me. And you don't want any anything you take during the race. Your stomach has to go and work to, to, uh, to digest it and absorb it into your system. So you're taking away some of your energy that you're using in the muscles to now uh, to convert the sugary stuff. And the sugary stuff will give you a nice high, <coughs> followed by a bad low. That's why I don't have any sugary sweet uh, drinks anymore. I stick to, if I'm going to have something, it's basically pure water and on much longer paddles. Nowadays, I still have only water and, and I feel that my body can easily cope with 
between three, four, and five hours of only water if I do. I mean, the last, as I told you, I did an 80 kilometer paddle uh, here in Portugal from Villa Praia Ancora to Porto, 80 kilometers, and I had no water, no food, no nothing, and I was absolutely fine, no problem at all. And, and, and there's a book out there by Professor Tim Lokes called Waterlogged that explains that as well. Got a few other questions um, from Phil Paris Brown. Ask her, please address some common downwind areas, example, lining up runs, paddling into whole waves, maintaining boat momentum. Um, it is a very difficult subject, Phil, because it's, it's so difficult to actually explain. The only way I do it is through those videos which you've seen that I, that I have been posting. The whole thing about downwind paddling. I think some of the most important, the five important key factors in downward paddling is um, technique. Too many people's techniques fall apart when you're going downward. That's number one. It's just something that you should be thinking about all the time. Number two is where you're going. Where you're going is the biggest uh, and most important part of downward paddling. Technique, you can work on flat water and downward, but go. Going with, knowing where you're going is the most important part. So I'm actually watching and looking at where I'm going all the time. It's in my subconscious. I will not catch a run because that determines which waves I'm going to catch is by where am I going. And I'm always looking, making sure that I'm in the right direction because let me tell you, we're having fun downward and, and most of you guys might have experienced it. You end up following the waves and not where you're going. And, and you don't go into the, into the correct um, direction. Because once you know where you're going, you can decide which runs are gonna take you closer to your end point, and which runs you must leave because they're taking you away from your end point and slowing you down, and then that's not a, not, not, not a very good thing to happen. Next thing is you must always try and focus on a smaller area of, of vision. Don't think 180 degrees, just think of the waves going towards where your end destination is and only sort of a 30% uh, a 30 degree quadrant, so a little, little wedge of pizza that you're going to watch those waves going uh, towards where you're going. Then you must watch your watch. You've got to watch your GPS that tells you your speed so you're not going against the current or you're going nice and fast, but then you've got to watch your heart rate because your heart rate should be always low. Paddling downwards is about explosive power and then resting, explosive power and resting. Don't just go flat out. If your heart rate's too high, that means you've been pushing too hard and trying too hard. Catching runs is about resting more. So on that same paddle that I told you, 80 kilometer paddle, perfect example, I average 17.7 kilometers an hour which is just over 3 minutes 20 a kilometer for, for 80 kilometers. My fastest kilometer on that uh, one was 250, which is uh, two, 2 minutes 50 for 1 kilometer, which is over 20 kilometers an hour average. And the most important thing, for the 4 hours 37 minutes I paddled for, my average heart rate was 120 beats per minute. Okay. So that meant that I was really concentrating on being relaxed, opening my hand on every brace, and never missing a run. So I wasn't killing myself. If I didn't think I could catch that run, I never caught it. I let it go and catch the next one. So that's, those are the most important things. And, and, and I think you've got to spend a lot of time 
going out and back, doing short little sessions on, on downward to improve your downwards. No, no use um, doing long downwards. By the time you finish, you're not going very fast, then it's no good. Rather do short downward where you really see and explode, catch those runs, keep the boat uh, pace going. Maybe what I'll do, and that'll be interesting to work out, and I'm sure I can do it, is do a live podcast of me catching runs and talking and 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 I think I can do that. That's my will be my next trick to talk while I'm catching runs, showing you left, right, look at this wave and, and live, which which could be fun because that could be it could be a nice half an hour chat. I'll see how I can sort that out. Okay, um, Corin Smith, listen to this. So Corin's doing the 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 Murray Murray Marathon used to be called the Murray Darling Marathon, I think. It's 100 kilometers per day for five days, and she's worrying about the keto diet during the event. When to eat, following the keto diet, the marathon, what types of food do you eat and start the race? A question about the salt added to apple cider vinegar. Is there any difference between Himalayan pink salt, Celtic sea salt, and um, Celtic sea has micronutrients and Two types of salt, interchangeable. Very good question. Funny enough, last night I was listening to a friend of mine's podcast and he talked about Himalayan rock salt, table salt, and Celtic sea salt. Uh, yeah, so, so um, and what he said, he says the best salt to have is a Celtic sea salt. He says the reason why pink Himalayan salt can be not as good or maybe not as bad is that it's some they've, they've been they've been messing around with it because a lot of it comes from Pakistan and the Himalayas there, and some of it's been uh, it got um, some bad stuff inside it. Not if you have got pure Himalayan rock salt, it should be fine. And Celtic sea salt, they said, is the purest and the best. Yes, the reason why, and I'm just as I wake up, I have my apple cider vinegar, squeeze of lemon, and and three or four. Um, big pinches of, of, of um, Himalayan rock salt, sparkling water, mix it up, have that, and then 10 or 15 minutes later, have my first coffee. So, and this is my first coffee, which is, as I say, coffee with pouring cream. The new Garmin can do your YouTube live. Yes, thanks, Cam. The new Garmin, I'll, I'll definitely do it because I can link it to my phone and I can do a live downwind and, and funny enough, the wind's going to be fantastic the week after the race, but for the races, the Nella Summer Challenge is not going to be um, that fantastic. Just to get back to the Nella Summer Challenge, it will be race tomorrow at one o'clock Portugal time, and the wind's going to be like five or six knots, which is not going to suit me. There are more than 300 and at the moment 340 entries, so it's a really big race for for Circe uh, paddlers. 20 countries, quite a few doubles. Some of the top uh, uh, paddlers in the world are here. Uh, my, my picks would, would be um, Tom Norton is going to be very fast. Uh, Sean Rice is going to be very fast. Um, Sam Detojan from Australia is going to be very fast. Mackenzie Haynard is going to be good. Walter Buzan from Europe is going to be very good. So it's uh, Tom Norton, if I didn't mention. So there's some really good guys here. And uh, it's going to be fun. My father's racing. Remember, so if you ever think you are old and you're not doing enough uh, paddling, 
he's at eight coming he's going to be 82 in september he's racing the race which is a 20k race flat out and funny enough he never comes last uh, he loves his paddling and, and goes flat out to do it so there's a lot, a lot of longevity in, the, in our family so he's he's racing as well so it's just up the road so we're actually staying at home it's up the road about uh, 20 kilometers where the race will start because it's going to be reversed normally here in portugal the, the wind comes from the north or the south in the winter they come from the south in the summer in the north and can you believe it this week it's all from the south every day has been south wind which i've never seen in my four years being here in portugal okay so now cam asked what are some tips for filming ourselves and technique and what about angles should we film from? Side, front, back, you said boat, mounted camera or better film from, a, a, from another boat or from land. Okay, the best way to film, and I've done it quite a few times with students, is just to have a friend of yours on the side of the bank. The, the secret is only have 10 second clips. I like it straight on the front, then I like it on the side right so straight paddling against you and then on the side and you do one pass paddling slowly and then other pass paddling flat out because the biggest problem when i see people filming they show they film themselves going slowly and then when they're racing and they're going hard their technique is completely different remember the secret of going fast is to keep your technique the same when you're going fast as when you're going slowly when you get that right you'll find that you, 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 you're going to go faster and, and, be, and more comfortable and less strenuous on your, on your body. So remember, it's just, and again, 10 seconds, and I'll be doing a, a video analysis soon. Um, one from the front, one from the side, going slowly, and then the same again, flat out. Again, only 10 seconds, and 10 seconds I can pick out all the mistakes very quickly. Now, what sort of filming uh, technique should you... Uh, um, use um, somebody the chest camera that doesn't work i've tested that on the chest camera when you rotate you'll see it's all like this if you're watching it so that doesn't work very well if you rotate that's what it feels like and that's not uh, easy to to work with but if you've got it on your head because invariably on your head you can rotate your body notice that and my camera's not moving just because my hands are moving so there you can see i can rotate nicely nice rotation but my head doesn't move so it's much easier to film from a head cam obviously i've got some uh, contraption i've got a thing from bratcher that's got a three and a half meter high um pole and i film from there to get it like a bird's eye view sort of a drone footage which also is is very good but people don't have that so again sometimes from the back but understand these cameras do distort a lot of uh, things that's why it's better to have a um, somebody filming with like an iphone or a, a fancy phone these videos work much better than the 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 gopros and the garmin verb because the garmin verb sort of um, number one it flattens all the waves so you never know if you've got a big wave and number two um it curves everything because it's such a wide angle so sometimes it does make a, your technique not look as good as it should be purely because the, the, the camera's got such a wide angle. And that was very good coffee. Philip always posts here, you can't start your day without a good coffee. That's a good coffee in espresso, not bad. Um, okay, so 
I'm just trying to say, so Torsten, I think I've, I've answered all your question. Um, Cam, yeah, so that sounds good. What other questions we got here? Falcon fans. Okay, chest strap, cam strap. True story. <laughs> it is a true story, yeah. You definitely, uh, again, I always have my uh, apple cider vinegar and rock salt before. It's the first thing I do when I wake up and then I wait 10 or 15 minutes just to get my gut microbiome uh, working and then I'll have my coffee with pouring cream and even now it's quite nice because I'm not staying at the hotel I only, I'm only eating one meal a day, I only have uh, dinner so last night I had a, a big a lot of sardines uh, sardines, salad and, um, and my carbs for the, for the day, for the night was uh, very much homemade bread, which is probably a little bit better than the, the processed bread that you get in, in, in shopping centers and, and supermarkets. It's made by the actual restaurant, so, but not a lot. And again, having lots of butter with it and a, and a, lot, of, uh, um, and a lot of olive oil. So that was my meal last night. So today I'll have nothing again the whole day and then evening probably have uh, some meat, a uh, bit of salad, not too much salad, not, not a big thing. And if I have any any um, carbohydrates, it will be maybe bread with a whole lot of, of butter on it. So, so that'll be my meal. And then I'll fast the whole day, even though it starts at one o'clock. I want to be lean and mean to race on flat water or hopefully things change. In fact, let's have a look. At what is happening here, I'll show you. These are the, this is the weather forecast for for the race. All right, update. As you can see, I'll show you there on Winguru. Let's see if it's there. Let's have a look. Yeah. Okay. As you can see, there's hardly any any uh, wind for the race on the left hand side and on the right hand side you can see there's heaps heaps of wind so a lot of wind uh, a lot of wind coming tuesday wednesday thursday friday but there's absolutely nothing now it was showing a little bit more now it's only showing 10 knots so what a pity but that's the sport we're in uh, you must still love it at the end of the day, I'm one of those people that once I've entered a race, I'm going to finish it. Uh, story of your life. If you commit to something, do it. No matter how painful it's going to be, because um, I haven't been doing much flat water paddling. Um, I find that I'm just in my element on downwind. And the reason why I'm in my element on downwind is that, is that I spend so much time. I either do technique, and you know some, for some of you guys that have got your, your um, training plans, I love lots of technique technique makes you going faster paddling the wrong way it doesn't help anybody so technique so today in my one o'clock paddle i will just do a few technique drills and, and make sure that I, i'll go through the whole drill do about 35 minutes don't push it too hard make sure i'm getting my my technique right because that's going to help me tomorrow nothing is going to help me training wise today for tomorrow's race so it's going to be a, a tough race and I just hope uh, 
the weather prediction is incorrect and we do get wind. Remember, you can drop me a line anytime if you let me know if your training plans are, are correct. I've done a few very specific ones. Phil, your one for the, the doctor's done now properly. So it's all completed. Uh, George, you, you, you missed the timing. You're only a little bit uh, late. Um, I started half an hour ago or 27 minutes ago, but welcome anyway. It's very late at night there for you, I think, George. Um, so any of the, of, the, of the training plans, let me know if they work for you. Remember, all training plans are very flexible. It's definitely a way of motivating you what you're going to do each day, but don't, uh, don't uh, if you're feeling tired, and that's what I discussed earlier on about HRV, heart rate variance, rest. Your body needs just as much. In fact, there's a famous old saying, um, resting and fasting are one of the best things you can do. So, and that's what I do basically every day. So I only eat once a, once a day, and then maybe after the race, I might go two or three day fast, depend on, on things, how things go. But I know on the, on the 9th of uh, July, one thing I will be doing, I, I'm, I'm definitely gonna be paddling, because it's gonna be a good downwind, I'm going to be uh, eating uh, on the 9th of July because it's my 31st wedding anniversary. So that's quite a long. So my cameraman or woman woke up but went back to bed. So I had to do it all on my own today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, and uh, again, don't forget, just drop me a line on what, what questions you're going to do. I'm trying to make it weekly and uh, probably next podcast will probably be from South Africa. Um, I'm not going to the Canadian and the Gorge anymore because uh, of internal things. No big deal. Uh, I'm sure I'll be there next year, but it's a pity that I'm not going to be there. So I'll be still traveling South Africa, then back uh, from there. Then I'm going to go to Germany, then back. And then I'm doing the cellar descent in Spain in, in the heart of Asturias province. Funny enough, it's this year, 19, 2019, is 50 years after my father won the cellar descent with his partner, a guy called Kevin Cowell. So my father and Kevin Cowell are racing the cellar descent, which they won 50 years ago as guests of the race. So they flew them all out, they're flying them out, they're going to do the race. And then Herman, my brother, is flying out as well, so we'll be also doing the race. And we won the race, the cellar descent, in 1986. They have about 3,000 paddlers at the starting line, all starting at once in this very thin river. It's a mad start. And, and it's the biggest uh, canoe race in the world. And it's, and it's down river through the mountains. And it's a very interesting race. And your, your, name gets, uh, your name gets carved into the bridge. So my name there is under Oscar and Herman. And at the time, because of apartheid in 1986, we weren't allowed to race internationally. We're racing for Germany, and in fact, we're racing for uh, Munich, the Munich club uh, from Germany. So I was, I was living in Germany there, going for the German national team, and I raced for Germany. And then in 1981, I raced with a guy called Matt Carlisle from South Africa, and I was uh, 18 years old, and we came second by half a second, and that year I raced for Belgium. This was the joys of, of apartheid. We weren't allowed to race uh, in any places uh, 
uh, under the South African banner, so we had to use uh, pseudonyms and, and go under different uh, different countries. And so I've raced for a few countries in the Silla Descent. So in the, that race, we Herman and I won it. I've come second three times and third three times. So fantastic race. It's going to be fun to be there, and hopefully we can do a podcast from the banks of the of the Silla Descent, the Silla River in Asturias province. Uh, and basically that's about a five-hour drive north of, of where I am. If there's no more questions, perfect one-hour podcast. Thanks, for everybody, for listening. And remember, uh, my door is open, my email is open, and uh, if you need any help, I hope you're enjoying uh, your plans. And uh, I'm signing off now, and I'll let you know how the Nello Summer Challenge goes at uh, 1 o'clock tomorrow. It's going to be a fun, fun race for the people that like flat water. So somebody like me, it's gonna be a tough race. I know I'm gonna do it hard and it's gonna be, I'm just looking at the wind and I just can't believe it. I'm looking at the, on the right-hand side of Winguru from Tuesday, it's every single day, um, it's gonna be going blowing flat out. And in fact, some days it's gonna be 20 to 30 knots downwind. What can you do? You, we're in this sport, we take what we can get. Let me tell you, it's still fantastic. We're still out in the open ocean no cars, no noise, having fun and, 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 and looking after our body and keeping healthy. Thanks all for listening and, and hopefully we see you in a week's time. Keep the questions coming and uh, I'm always interesting to, interested to hear what people want to know and I'm there to help you. Thank you very much. Hi there, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you want to join Oscar's club or get access to his free technique video series, you can do that by visiting coachchalupski.com.